Do you ever wish that the communication in your relationship were a little bit better? Well, there are lots of ways to improve your communication skills. However, not all of those ways are actually going to help you in your relationship. That's because many of the conventional ways that we're taught to improve our communication could actually create more disconnect with our partner when what we're trying to do is build connection and build intimacy, even when we're talking about challenging things. So I put together a free guide for you. It's called my top three relationship communication secrets. And these are three things that are easy to put into practice, but will have an enormous impact on your ability to stay connected with your partner while you talk about anything, the sweet things or the challenging things. To get the guide, all you have to do is visit neilsatin.com slash relate and that's R-E-L-A-T-E, or you can text the word RELATE to the number 33444 and follow the instructions, and I will send you a link where you can download the free guide. It's three simple things that will have an enormous impact on the communication in your relationship. All right, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Perhaps nothing has a more damaging effect on modern day relationships than stress. So how do you handle the effects of stress on your relationship? And how do you do it in a way that honors whether you're a man or a woman? Does it matter? On top of all that, are there ways that you can use nutrition to support both the behaviors that are um, required in order to have an amazing relationship and also just to feel great in your everyday life? Well, today we are having a very special visit from John Gray, who is the author of the international bestseller, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And his most recent book, Beyond Mars and Venus, Relationship Skills for Today's Complex World, is all about how to take your relationship to the next level and is an update of the, the classic text that he wrote. Um, I think that was back in the early 90s. So I'm so delighted to have John here with us today. He's, um, his books have sold over 50 million copies and have been for sale in 150 different countries. And he likes to say that uh, along with offering good advice, he follows follows his own advice and has been married for 31 years. John and I are going to cover a lot of ground in this conversation. So as always, we will have detailed show notes for you and you can download those if you visit neilsatin.com slash marsvenus and that's all one word, M-A-R-S-V-E-N-U-S or you can always text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions, and I will send you a link so that you can download the guide to this episode and all the other Relationship Alive episodes. So, John Gray, thank you so much for being here with us today on Relationship Alive. Neil, it's such a pleasure to be with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. As am I. Uh, let's dive in with what feels like the main thread of Beyond Mars and Venus, which is this question of stress and gender. 
And I'm wondering if you can address how um, how men and how women respond to stress and why that's so important. Well, it's so important. First of all, let's define stress. A traffic jam when you're in a hurry uh, is certainly a stressor, something from the external environment, which is uh, stressful to deal with. Then there's something called your internal stress response, which is let's say I'm in a traffic jam, but I'm not in a hurry and I'm just listening to music. Well, the traffic jam's not gonna cause a stress response inside of me uh, because of my attitude about it or because of my circumstance and situation. So there's stress out in the world that we can't change traffic jams very much. We can take alternative routes as best we can, but we can change our own internal stress response. And so when we refer to stress in this conversation, I'm referring to our stress response, which is actually measurable. It's the hormone cortisol. And when cortisol levels increase and they stay up for quite a while once they're triggered, uh, it inhibits our ability to feel love. And that, simply put, affects everything in our life. It inhibits our ability to feel happiness. It, it inhibits our ability to feel uh, motivation in the service of others. So it, it, the, the stress response, uh, which is universal in both men and women, does produce different hormonal reactions in women from men. And the remedy to bring back down that stress response so we can feel the love in our hearts, so we can be motivated, energetic, we can have stronger libido and all those good things that we can get out of a relationship, the stress response inhibits that. So there's a way to restore normal functioning in a non-stressful state, and that's by being aware of our hormonal differences. And while differences between men and women is always a subject of, comp uh, of uh, what is it, uh, confusion and, and uh, uh, controversy, that's the word I was looking for, thank you. Uh, and, and particularly, I've been talking about the brain differences for about 15 years, and even that comes up with uh, controversy because of brain plasticity. You know, a woman who uses uh, her, her male qualities uh, will start having more of a male brain, and, and a man who uses more of his female qualities will start having uh, more of a female brain. The brain is plastic in a sense. It changes. Not everything changes, kind of like the size of your nose is never going to change. But, you know, your face can start to sag or whatever. So small changes can be made. So that's very controversial. What's not controversial anywhere in the scientific community, if I can put on my white coat and some glasses and look scientific for a moment, is that hormones are very, 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 very different in women and very different in men. In order for a man to feel well-being and to be stress-free, his testosterone levels need to be 10 to 30 times higher than a woman's. So just take that in. Testosterone is very, very important to men. It's still important to women, but not nearly as much in terms of needing the kind of stimulation to increase testosterone. Because what we do in our lives stimulates hormones, and those hormones affect our stress level. Those hormones affect our mood. Those hormones affect our desires, our preferences. What we like, what we don't like is greatly regulated by certainly what we think, which then affects our hormones, but our hormones affect what we think. So it's bi-directional, as in the mind, so in the body, as in the body, so in the mind. So we have to take both into consideration. And this is where, uh, where on the surface, as a man, I'm very feminine, actually. I'm very much in touch with my female qualities. I express them through being loving, by being joyful, by being flexible, by being cooperative, 
this is all my female side. I'm also very masculine, which is detached, motivated, problem-oriented, and, and analytically oriented. These are masculine qualities, tough, when the rough, you know, when you need to be tough, it's there. When you need to be sensitive, it's there. These are masculine and feminine qualities that are in both men and women. However, as a man on a biological level, uh, I need to be able to stimulate testosterone to experience well-being and to lower cortisol levels. Whereas for women, it's been shown that the hormone oxytocin lowers her cortisol levels. Oxytocin is a hormone that increases estrogen in her body, uh, produces estrogen in her body. And at other times of the month for women, it is shown that progesterone, uh, which is stimulated through social activities, uh, peaceful social activities, will uh, lower a woman's cortisol levels as well. So it, basically what we're seeing is that different situations, circumstances, attitudes and behaviors that we can express in our life will either stimulate testosterone or stimulate uh, what we're calling the female hormones because uh, for a woman to experience well-being, uh, at certain parts of the month, her estrogen levels need to be 20 times higher than a man. Now, just think if it was if it was twice as high, that would imagine someone walking into the room twice as tall. It's a very significant difference. But for women, it's 20 times the estrogen is required for her well-being, particularly around the time of ovulation. But after ovulation, her estrogen levels need to be lower and her progesterone levels need to be higher. If she doesn't have the proper amount of progesterone, then her stress levels will be uh, chronically high and she'll experience PMS type symptoms and lots of other uh, uh, stressful symptoms. And for women and for men, when, you're, when your cortisol levels are elevated too high, it does inhibit our ability to feel love, our ability to hear another point of view. What's very interesting here is that when cortisol levels rise, for both men and women, blood flow stops uh, to the prefrontal cortex of the brain where we're actually capable of hearing another point of view. And, you know, every relationship requires love and it also requires fair compromise, win-win negotiation. And not I lose, you win, and not you win, I lose, which is typically what happens in relationships to get along. No, but win-win. And that is really only achieved in a civilized society where we're no longer living in a world of fight or flight but we're actually able to have blood flow go to the front part of the brain where we're capable of developing the communication skills where we can feel compassion for our partner, where we can feel wisdom, the wisdom to be able to know what's possible in this moment, what's not. You know, it, it's like if you expect your partner to be somebody they're not, you're always going to be frustrated. But to love is to know to embrace your partner the way they are and not try to change them. And that's the essence of my teaching is that when you're able to lower stress levels, your own happiness is felt from within. So we're not desperately needing our partner to change their behavior or to be somebody different in order to make us happy. But when we have a greater source of happiness within ourselves, and that's what every mature adult aspires towards, we don't always achieve it. But we, most people agree that we should be responsible for our own happiness, and that's maturity. Then we have an abundance to share with a partner without depending upon them to have to be perfect or depending on them to always be that person we want them to be in order for us to feel happy. 
because truly the highest teaching that we can ever remember, it is truly blessed to give than to receive. But if we're giving and then we're not getting back because we're depending on our partner to feel good, then we're always going to feel empty. So we need to have ways to find our own balance inside so we can feel love, which wants to unconditionally give. And when you learn the differences between men and women on a hormonal basis, you can begin giving to men or giving to women the specific kinds of love that will stimulate testosterone in men, will stimulate estrogen in women, or stimulate progesterone in women, or stimulate oxytocin in women. And this is the whole knowledge that I'm teaching in Beyond Mars and Venus, which is to recognize how to give the kind of support your partner needs most. Because what happens is when we're under stress, we're out of balance. And often what we think we need is not what we really need. And we have to recognize that we are not always aware of what's right for us. For example, people who eat desserts every night know that they shouldn't be eating sugar, but they keep doing it. It's too much. So just because we, we can know something, if we just follow our instincts, sometimes they will take us in the wrong direction. And what I'm doing is giving a very clear argument to help understand that women have certain biological needs that often they're not aware of. And men have certain biological needs that they're not aware of because we're so free now to experience both our masculine and feminine sides that we don't recognize that for men, they need to come back to their male side when they're stressed. And women need to come back to their female side when they're stressed to find that balance. Yeah, and that so, takes new insight. So if you could talk about that specific thing for a moment, because I think it's a, it's a really helpful point that... Um, for instance, if uh, a couple is, if the man is stressed and he's focused on activities that would produce estrogen in him, that they may actually feel connecting with his partner, but they might actually make him more stressed out. So I just offer that as an example. Maybe you could uh, elucidate a little bit more on that. Oh, I love talking about that because that goes against the whole trend, which is happening in relationships. And what I see is sabotaging the effectiveness of our relationships. So I remember back to the early 90s when I first started seeing this as men were being programmed to express more of their female side or they had the freedom to express more of their female side. Because what happens is historically speaking, women were dependent on men. So if you love a woman and she's dependent on you, then what you do is you become really motivated to provide for her and do and sacrifice whatever needs to be sacrificed in order to provide for her. And the outcome of that is that men suppress their female side and uh, the female side can be clearly defined as those hormones that women need more of. And those hormones of estrogen and progesterone and oxytocin, for example, they get produced whenever we're doing something that's enjoyable, something that we love to do, something that's not hurried or rushed, and something that involves the support of others, not independent all by yourself. So women were given that freedom for thousands of years to be on their female side, but suppressing their male side. And men were had the freedom to express their male side, which is independent, detached, analytical, tough, you know, desensitized. You went out, you know, you, you did the construction work, you built the bricks, you built the buildings, you, you know, you're handling dangerous equipment, all of that stuff. Men 
did and were happy to do because it provided for the women they loved and the children they loved. But what it did is that suppressed their female side. But once women can be more independent, now men can be more interdependent. And our female side comes forth, our male side comes forth. But what happens under stress typically for men today is when they're under stress, uh, they tend to go far to their female side. So let me too far to their female side. And the symptom of that is irritability, overly emotional, argumentative, unwilling to change, uh, and so forth. Getting your feelings hurt too easily. And so I remember back in the 90s when, when I didn't have all this information, I was still in the mindset of we're all the same and, and I'm having men express their feelings because women wanted men to express their feelings. And there's certainly, make sure you hear me right, nothing wrong with men expressing their feelings. The problem is, is when men express their feelings and their negative emotions and they're stressed because what happens when a man is stressed, he's in fight or flight, is that... When he's in fight or flight and he's stressed, biologically what's occurring is his testosterone, which is the male hormone, which he needs for well-being, is being converted into estrogen. So literally his estrogen levels are rising as he's expressing his feelings or his complaints or his irritation or his annoyance, and his estrogen levels are rising. And you would think that that would make him feel better, but actually it makes him feel worse. And actually when a man is having sex with a woman or he's has a polarity with her and he goes to his female side, it kind of pushes a woman over to her male side. Uh, and women are already trying to get back to their female side. So it's unproductive. So this is be, you know, that's the science of it, but let's look at the actual psychology of it is I was teaching men to express their feelings because their wives were saying, I want to know what's going on with him. I want to know what his feelings are. He's so quiet. And that's sort of the typical old-fashioned male. So I was training these men uh, to open up and share their feelings. And a couple of weeks later, for all the men that I trained, the women would come back. This really was my experience and say, you know, one woman said, uh, ever since you got him to open up and share all his feelings, I'm just not turned on to him. And I don't even want to be married to him anymore. And I said, what? But this is what you wanted. And she said, yeah, but now that I know what he's feeling, I didn't realize he had so many problems. <laughs> And another woman said, uh, you know, ever since he's been sharing the I feel hurt phrase, which was very popular in the day, uh, I feel like I have to walk on eggshells all the time. And, and I want I don't want to walk on eggshells. It's like I have to protect him from me. I want him to protect me, not me protect him. And another woman basically said, ever since he's been sharing all his sensitive feelings, I feel like I'm his mother. I can't be turned on to him. So I went, wow, this is amazing. Now, I have some friends who talk about relationships, trying to teach women to be more open-minded about this. But the reality, and that's a good thing, you should always learn to accept and embrace your partner for who they are. But at the same time, if somebody's punching me in the stomach, I shouldn't embrace that and say, okay, keep punching. What happens is that when men go too far to their female side, it's disastrous for the relationship. It kills the passion. You stop feeling your ability to be kind and love and compassionate. You, you, uh, all those good feelings you have in the beginning begin to disappear because this role reversal begins to take place, which is men in the presence of their partner from sharing their feelings, quote, too much actually their estrogen levels start to get higher and higher. And then when you come home, rather than having an opportunity to go to your cave and rebuild your testosterone, which is what happens when men disengage and detach from relationship, they just get some time to detach. What will happen is testosterone levels will go up 
and he's able to lower his stress, then he's able to have much more to give to his partner. And when his testosterone levels are higher, then he can embrace the estrogen side of him. So then he can connect more. So that's when I used to talk about men need to go to their cave. But modern men today, because they're too far on their female side, will come home and want to talk. And the woman will say, well, I'm too busy to talk. And you ask this woman a little more questions. She says, oh, he'll go on and on and on. And if I talk, he doesn't listen to what I have to say anyway. And what's the point of talking? Well, women have lost touch with the point of talking, which is to create intimacy, or some women, I should say. Because for women, if they talk and express their feelings and a man doesn't get defensive, and that's a new challenge to learn how to do this. Uh, if she talks and expresses her feelings and shares herself, her estrogen levels will increase. Just like for a man, if he shares what's going on inside, his estrogen levels will increase. But for women, their challenge today is their estrogen is too low. It needs to go up. And when women's estrogen levels can get to 20 times more, then they can get pregnant. Then they can also experience massive love and bonding and attachment and appreciation and forgiveness and flexibility. And all that tenderness of femininity comes when women are able to find this balance of hormones. And what I've discovered is, you know, the basic reason why women come to therapy, for example, is to have somebody listen to them for 50 minutes and ask more questions and show interest. And suddenly her estrogen levels go up and she finds she's much happier. 90% of the people who go to therapy are women for that reason. Men do not get that same benefit. Now, some men may get some of that benefit, but most men don't. And, and you can, it can actually become addictive for men to go too far to their female side, just as it's addictive for women to go too far to their male side. And we see this so clearly is that women are working in a very sort of male environment, which, and I, I'm defining that as an environment that stimulates testosterone, independent leadership, uh, bottom line, uh, urgency, danger, risk, all these kinds of things stimulate testosterone in both men and women. And when women are experiencing that high testosterone, to find happiness and balance, they need to be able to anticipate that that softness, that sensitivity, that loving environment where they can be loved. And they have a personal life which is very supportive of their female side. And that's what women are missing today. And they don't always know they're missing it or they don't act on it. So many women say, I have so many things to do. I never get time to do things for myself. Well, doing things for yourself actually produces estrogen and progesterone, but in different ways. And but that's that putting your own needs at the bottom of the list. And women are saying this over and over. It's not me just saying it. It's what women are telling me again and again. I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. If you measure their hormones, their hormones are out of balance. Their stress levels are higher. It's because they're too much on their male side. And, and it's not that they can't express their male side. It's they're not just finding the balance of having a personal life, whether it be in a marriage or a gay relationship or whatever it is, a personal life that will support their female hormones. And that's what I've identified as the behaviors and beyond Mars and Venus, the behaviors that will stimulate testosterone versus the behaviors that stimulate estrogen and progesterone. And we now have enough scientific documentation to help give us clarity uh, so we can find that balance. Because when a woman goes to her male side, for example, because it's been repressed for so long and in childhood and so forth, 
it releases a huge amount of energy, almost like a drug trip. It's like heroin. And so they can easily get addicted to it. And so they stuck on that side and can't come back to their female side. Likewise, men can get addicted to being too far on their female side. Female side is is doing things you love to do, doing things that are enjoyable, things that bring pleasure. Well, you know, suddenly we have all this addiction in men who are doing taking drugs to produce pleasure or just, you know, completely uh, not making a commitment, a relationship, going from one relationship to another to another because they're, they're wanting to experience that high, that pleasurable female estrogen high that happens when you are in a new relationship. And but for men, uh, at a certain point, it goes too far and then they can't continue because their testosterone as estrogen goes up, testosterone goes down and they lose their motivation. They lose their interest. They lose their energy. And so they move on to the next new and different woman. So we're seeing men can't make commitments and we're seeing many women don't want to be in a relationship or they find that the men that they're with, it just doesn't excite them. They can't fall in love. They can't feel that excitement that this is the one because their estrogen levels are so suppressed. And so what we're seeing now is twice as many single people. Uh, the problems of hormonal imbalance are all around us and bringing sanity into it. We need to use some science and recognize that biologically men and women have different needs to regulate stress in their lives. So just to be really clear, you're not saying that um, women should not do things that produce testosterone or that men should not do things that produce estrogen. It's more this question of, for one thing, knowing like, okay, these are the activities that I engage in that produce one versus the other. And and then I, I'm hearing almost this like um, coming back home kind of thing. Like if I'm a woman, then in the end, I want to find ways to nurture estrogen production and oxytocin and progesterone. And I hope we get a chance to chat about the... Uh, the you time, we time, me time, because I think that's fascinating. Um, so you find ways to nurture that and, and men to nurture your production of testosterone as a way of bringing yourself back into balance and giving yourself the resiliency that's inherent to your your biochemistry. Wow, I wish I could have said it that clearly. <laughs> Nicely done. Great summary. No wonder you're so popular. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, so, and I'm curious, you, you mentioned same-sex relationships. How does this play out? Because in, in terms of Beyond Mars and Venus, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a book that's written from the perspective of, of uh, heterosexual relationships. That being said, um, in same-sex relationships, does that mean that if two women are together, then two women need to figure out ways to honor the the womenness, or or do the, do those things get a little bit more fluid because of um, of the the fluidity of gender? Uh, y- yes, and yes, and yes. Uh, first of all, the the book is written from my perspective as heterosexual. Uh, and I only have the examples of me. And I use a lot of personal examples in this book. And I use a lot of biology in this book. And when it comes to gay relationships, uh, what you'll have is two partners generally who are much more expressive of both their male and female sides. And and that's their uniqueness. There's nothing wrong with that. I, my message is not saying men should be a certain way, women should be a certain way. It's we all have an authentic, unique self. 
And, and that u- unique self is a blend of these masculine and feminine qualities. And it's also those qualities will come out in different situations in different ways. So there's no should here. There's an awareness that when you're stressed, your hormones are out of balance according to your biology. And two gay women, for example, they both have a similar need for estrogen and progesterone and oxytocin. So there's an awareness of that. And then there's an awareness, generally speaking, one partner, in my experience in working with gay couples, is one tends to be, the majority of the time, the male quality, and the other's more the female, and they reverse from time to time. Same thing in a gay men's relationship. One tends to be, they often use the phrase, on top, and one's on bottom. That means that one has uh, a greater uh, testosterone level, uh, if we looked at it biologically, or just a greater need to express their male side. So one of the qualities, for example, I'll apply to gay relationships here, is if you're uh, on your male side, you've been using testosterone up during the day, okay? And more, expressing more male qualities. You're tough, you're bottom line, you're taking risk and danger, you're a leader, you're work-oriented, you're problem-solving. You know, this is uh, producing testosterone and using it up. At the end of the day, you will have a greater need to rebuild your testosterone levels because you've depleted them. So in that situation, whether you're a man in a heterosexual relationship or a man in a gay relationship or a woman taking that role in a gay relationship, you're gonna need to have some sort of activity when you get home to rebuild your testosterone levels, which is often what I call cave time, is you need time uh, to be with yourself, to do something that doesn't engage estrogen stimulation but time to do something enjoyable, peaceful, non-stress, but it's not involved with bonding uh, in, a, in a feminine way. So that's cave time, rebuilding. So whether you're gay or straight, you're still gonna need that cave time. And if your partner doesn't have as much uh, masculine qualities as you, they might not understand your need for cave time and therefore misinterpret it as, are you mad at me? You don't love me. You don't care about me. So where this information is helpful is to know that your partner might have a stronger male side. Or you're, if you're more the guy or the woman who's more on their male side in a gay relationship or heterosexual relationship, and your partner is more the feminine side. They're the more loving, the nurturing, the caretaking, the less risk-taking, the, you know, the uh, uh, more cooperative, often yielding. If that's the female role, then they're going to have a greater need when they're expressing those qualities. They're going to run out of estrogen. Oxytocin will help to rebuild the estrogen. So the behaviors that will stimulate oxytocin and estrogen would be very important for that male partner or that person on the male side to provide that kind of support. And so that's important to do. So you know at times when your partner needs to talk and you're starting to argue, if you're more on the male side, you go, whoa, wait a second, Uh, to help her come back to her female side, uh, because certainly when she's arguing, she's not on her female side, It, it stimulates fight or flight in an argument and that increases testosterone. All I need to do is be a good listener and ask more questions and to help lower my partner's stress. Then if it's a gay woman, for example, she also has her female side that's stronger and on biological level. So she's gonna also need to talk about her feelings as well. And so it takes a little longer. It's sometimes more complex as gay couples tell me, but having an awareness 
of the distinction of our male and female sides, who has the greater need for estrogen at a certain time, who has the greater need for testosterone, that's all very helpful whether you're in a heterosexual relationship or in a gay relationship, or you're not in a relationship at all. Let's say I'm a single guy and I, I wanna be fulfilled in my life and I'm not yet ready to be in a relationship, that's not my interest. I realize I'm working really hard, that's using testosterone to make a career, to build my fortune, so to speak, to develop an excellence. Uh, I'm using up testosterone all day long. When I come home, I'm gonna need to have some cave time. And what men don't realize is they need that cave time or women need that cave time to rebuild the testosterone in their body. And if I continue working all the time, then what's gonna happen is I'll never rebuild my testosterone and I'll burn out and I'll lose the ability to feel my motivation to actually be in a relationship with somebody because my testosterone levels will be so depleted. You know, what a man feels the, 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 or anybody, we'll put it this way, who has high testosterone will feel the need to connect through relationship in order to bring that high testosterone back into balance. Or if, they, if they're depleted in testosterone because they're expressing testosterone and using it up too much, then what happens is with low testosterone, if I get in a relationship with somebody, and relationship always stimulates estrogen, uh, a romantic relationship, if I get in a relationship like that, that will lower my testosterone even more. So there's no motivation at all to be in relationship. Uh, so what we're seeing is as estrogen levels are rising in men, not just from the shift of freedom to go to our female side, but also due to toxicity in the environment. This is where we bring in our diet and food. When we eat foods that are grown with pesticides, those pesticides are still in the food. And when they come into our body, they bind They bind with the estrogen receptor sites. They're called endocrine disruptors. They make the brain think that you've got plenty of estrogen. And when your brain thinks you have plenty of estrogen and you're a man, it will actually lower your testosterone levels. Uh, if you're a woman, with a woman's biology, when those uh, pesticides bind with the estrogen receptors, what then occurs is the brain gets the message that I've got plenty of estrogen, so I don't need to make estrogen. And when you, when, you, when you don't feel the need to make estrogen, what occurs is you don't feel the need to be in relationship. So we're seeing many, many women today are saying, you know, I don't need to be in a relationship. I don't want to be in a relationship because they don't even feel that hunger for love, the hunger to, to forgive, to be embracing, to yield. It's just that, you know, when I'm compromising with my wife, I'm yielding so much of the time. I'm embracing, I'm taking another point of view. But if I don't feel the need to do that, I don't do it. And so what happens for women is when they're either taking hormones, which are also endocrine disruptors, or they're eating foods with pesticides, uh, what happens is they don't feel the need to make the to, to 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 go to their female side. Now let's just define female side as doing anything that would make you happy, doing things that you enjoy doing, things that are relaxing, things that are self nurturing. That's female side. Now what are women saying today? So common. I feel overwhelmed. I'm doing so much for other people and I don't have time for myself. 
Well, why do they not have time for themselves? Something doesn't trigger inside that says stop and take time for yourself. What that little trigger would be is the body's need to make estrogen. You know, when you're hungry, you'll do anything to get food. If you're thirsty, you'll do whatever it takes to get water. But if you don't feel your thirst, you don't feel your hunger, you just keep going on and on and on. So it's the woman's, uh, the, the, the environmental toxicity is messing with women's hormones and messing with men's hormones. Because when, when these endocrine re- disruptors uh, lodge into men's estrogen receptor sites, it gives the message to the male brain that estrogen levels are high and that will suppress his body's ability to make testosterone. That's very amazing information. I I certainly didn't have this insight. Nobody knew these kinds of things back in the 90s when I wrote Men Are From Mars in the 80s when I was developing these ideas. Uh, The ideas are still the same. Men and women are different. But now we understand what's happening in this modern complex world where we're free to express both our male and female qualities. Our tendency is to go further out of balance into role reversal rather than maintain that balance. And it's that balance that we start relationships out in that causes the attraction and the polarity. But as men become more feminine and women become more masculine, they quickly lose that polarity in marriage, in relationships, and before marriage. And so they sort of move on to another partner because the attraction diminishes. And they're looking for someone to feel that attraction with. That's the specialness of a romantic relationship. So I, I definitely want to circle back around to, um, to nutrition um, in a few minutes. Before we do, I just first a point of clarification. Um, you mentioned that, you know, let's say for a man out in the work world, working hard, using up lots of testosterone, um, coming home and having some cave time to allow testosterone to regenerate, even if that's only... 20 minutes, a half an hour is huge and allows them to then have the resources to come back and connect with their partner um, in a more estrogen producing way. How about for for women who are in the workforce, which is, of course, very (laughs) it's it's the way things are now, thankfully, um, on some levels. the the question is, did they come home and have cave time too? Because I thought they might need something a little different in order to actually recover from the stress of the workday. Right. Well, here's here's the dynamic. We talked about gay relationships where, generally speaking, there's a partner and who has a lot of male qualities. And they're born with those male qualities. Nothing wrong with that. They're going to have a need to replenish their testosterone levels often right away. And so they're going to need some cave time like a man. Now, it may be that they don't, and maybe they have find another way to do it. That's fine with me. But what I've seen is that often one takes on that sort of cave role for a little while. And what they're doing is replenishing their testosterone levels. Uh, if they're if they're really stressed, I mean, it's a little subtlety here. If they're very, very stressed, then they too will need to first increase their estrogen to lower their stress. And then when their stress is lower, they take their cave time to rebuild their testosterone. 
So this is like pieces of the puzzle that fit for different situations. Now, for your general question is in heterosexual couples and people and so forth, uh, which is the majority, so let me talk to the majority for now, is when a man is on his male side, he needs that time to rebuild, as you just described perfectly. For a woman, she's on her male side. What she needs is to get back to her estrogen side. And it's very, very hard for a woman to shift from being in testosterone land to estrogen land. There's a momentum. There's a literal momentum that will in a sense, grip her in her male side. It's very hard to shift so the, to, to being able to make estrogen again. Because one of the roles of testosterone is that it suppresses estrogen. One of the roles of estrogen is it suppresses testosterone. So if you're making lots of testosterone, it's hard to shift over there into the estrogen land. That's why women are so overwhelmed and they can't relax. That's the female side. They can't go to sleep sometimes. Their mind is too busy. They're solving problems, worrying about things. That's their testosterone side, as opposed to shifting to their estrogen side, doing what they enjoy and in relaxing and being feeling loving and happy and satisfied. Satisfaction is your female side. So uh, the, this is the amazing thing that my daughter Lauren and her, uh, you know, you time, me time, we time course where she teaches women the three basic behaviors that they map the master. And generally women are good at one, but not the other two. The shift from you time, which is where you're making testosterone, you're sacrificing your needs for others, you're giving, giving, giving to others, which is amplified in a work environment when you're working for money. So when you're working for money, as a lot of testosterone gets produced, so you're way on your testosterone side, that's you time. To get to me time, where you're doing what you enjoy doing, what you like doing, what feels natural and easy and comfortable with no rushing, that would be estrogen. The hormone that helps you shift from you time to we t to to me time is we time. We time is uh, stimulates oxytocin. So oxytocin, one of the reasons it helps lower women's stress is because oxytocin also has the function of lowering your testosterone. So if she's got too much testosterone going or she's in that momentum of making testosterone, by producing oxytocin, it actually can start to raise her estrogen and help her feel help her feel like some women say girly again, you know, where you feel pretty and you feel lovely and you feel happy and you feel joyful and you you want somebody to care for you. You don't want to do it all. You want to relax and 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 quote, be a princess if we can say that without upsetting too many. <laughs> people. But with what women say to me, I want to come back to my soft, tender, feminine side. Well, what helps a woman to do that is oxytocin. So oxytocin is a hormone that's stimulated when a woman feels uh, safe. When a woman feels she can depend on someone, that's one of the things. Uh, second thing that produces oxytocin is when uh, there's physical non-sexual touch like hugs. Uh, you know, I do four hugs a day with my wife, for example. When I see her, when I leave her, when I return and I go to bed before, I always, always give her four hugs. Now, I think I'm always giving her four hugs, but I'm a guy and I do it one day and I think I've done it all week. So we do have a vulnerability here, guys. Uh, and my wife, what we figured out to do, I was giving a talk and I said, now, honey, and she happened to be there. I said, don't I give you four hugs a day? She goes, no. <laughs> 
Well, I was a little embarrassed. And then so what we what we started doing was then counting them. So she so she sometimes she says, I missed my number two. Uh, you know, so we do it playfully. But hugs softens a woman. It literally produces this oxytocin. Now, there's things women can do if they don't have a husband to give them hugs and compliments and, you know, saying I love you and eye contact. And, you know, one of the biggest oxytocin producers, however, is listening and giving women a chance to talk. Uh, Their oxytocin levels will soar. That's why therapy is so popular. And her estrogen levels now can begin to rise up. And now she can begin to feel peace of mind. She can begin to feel love and happiness, which are her nature. This is the you don't have to do anything. That's who you are is love. Women are the embodiments of love when they're not stressed. But what happens is when their hormones are out of balance and cortisol levels are being produced, then blood flow Uh, increases to the part of the brain, which is called the hippocampus. It's the memory. And eight times increase in blood flow when a woman is stressed to the emotional memory, to the part of them that is thinking about everything that doesn't work right, everything that was a disappointment, everything which is a frustration, everything which is a fear. All those things get activated when a woman is under stress. Eight times more blood flow occurs. And so she's now worrying about all these things and she temporarily, playfully, I say she has temporary amnesia and she forgets any good thing he's ever done. (laughs) So, and this is just temporary, but it's that cortisol response. And so what what happens is when my wife seems to be upset about something, it was just the other day I was uh, five minutes late and she says, you promised to be here at that time. I said, I did, but I'll be there. I'm gonna be five minutes late. I'll see you soon. Got off the phone gave her in her space to relax and come back to letting it go. And, and, and she did. Now that take the wisdom inside of me. You know, if somebody gets upset with me for being five minutes late, I'm going to argue about it. If I don't understand women, I say, what's the big deal? You were late the other day. I, I waited 15 minutes for you. Why are you getting angry with me? I don't do that anymore because that doesn't work. First of all, it's stupid. Men have to learn what we do. That's stupid. Second, I understand if I don't defend against what she says, she has to come back to love because women's nature is to love. And the only thing that keeps them from loving is when men argue with their feelings. Let her have her feelings. Let her be angry about that. Don't make her wrong for that. But just understand she's angry about that. Let her be angry. And I'll be there in five minutes. I'm coming real soon. And you come and you do your best and you know that that's what love is. It's loving someone without them being perfect. Women are perfectly capable of doing that. But we men mess it up because when women get upset or they're dissatisfied, they're unhappy, we want to talk them out of it. And if we can't talk them out of it and tell them you shouldn't feel that way, then we get mad at them. And biologically, when we get mad, that's when we're getting defensive. Our testosterone levels are going down and our estrogen is going up. And, and we don't know that. Men think that being angry and tough and uh, argumentative and demanding and whatever and complaining back, we think we're being powerful. Actually, we're wimping out and we don't know that. We need someone to teach us that by expressing, by talking out loud at times when you're stressed and expressing how you feel and arguing with someone who has feelings, your own testosterone levels are now going down and your estrogen is going up. And this is measurable. There's an enzyme called aromatase. And whenever a man feels threatened, which is when his fight or flight gets activated, his testosterone begins to convert into estrogen. And it just gets higher and higher and higher until he's stuck over there. And if he gets a peak of estrogen, it can take him three days to come back to his testosterone level, 
which is something that happens to men when they argue. Sometimes they won't talk for three days. They just pout and they're irritable and they're bummed out. And what I teach men is how to avoid that reaction, which will last for three days and help women understand that when it does happen, uh, it's not permanent. Just give him lots of space and don't ask or demand of anything and, and, and shift gears to doing things that will increase estrogen without depending on him. And in my book, of course, I explain all these ways women can produce estrogen without a partner on their own or when their partner's in his cave, what you can do for yourself at different times of the month. So this is, this is it's incredibly complicated. It took me years to figure this stuff out based upon modern scientific research. Nobody's ever done it before to help us understand the relationship between uh, men and women, our moods, our interactions, our behaviors, along with our biology. And this is so, so important. And I'll say it once again, there's no one in the scientific community that will dispute that men and women's hormonal needs are dramatically different and that our hormones and when they're out of balance regulate our moods, our wishes, our wants, and clearly men and women have different sets of hormones. Yeah, and in what you were just describing about the capacity for um, for a man to listen to a woman and not get defensive, um, it made me think about the Venus talk and how. And I love this simple practice where um, the where the man listens to the woman for ten minutes and she can talk about her feelings and she can complain as long as it's not about him. Thank you. That's the secret, you know, because there's it's like a paradox. I'm over here saying women need to share and men need to listen without getting defensive. But we can't expect men to be Superman. We can't expect women to only be positive. Women need to complain. This is a part of women's need is to express all of what they feel inside. And when a woman has estrogen, she will see everything which is good and she will see everything which is not good. Women have the most amazing vision of seeing everything. And when they when they have to suppress what is not good to be to always be focused on what's good, which is the work world. In the work world, you can't share all your discontent, all your dissatisfaction, all your judgments, all your criticisms, all your fears, all your frustrations, all your feelings of resentment. The workplace, to get your job done, to make your money, you have to push all that stuff down. And then you come home, there's a need to share that. But if women don't share that, then what happens is something Freud identified, which is one of the basic tenets of psychology, which is when you suppress your emotions and your feelings, you have to push them down. They will find their way out and they get displaced. They get displaced. That means they get put on something else. That means you're mad at your boss. You come home and you kick the dog. Okay, that's the funny story with it. But basically, who's the dog? It's the husband. <laughs> so what happens is when she's got these suppressed feelings about work, they just go in the unconscious. Then her mind becomes hyper vigilant to make sense of why she feels stressed. And it starts to focus on the deficiencies in her partner instead of appreciating their partner just the way they are. So women have a deficit of their ability to appreciate and enjoy and to love their partners when they don't have the opportunity to articulate 
what they're feeling in the work world during their day about politics. You know, I felt one of the greatest things in the world is all these women marching against Trump and then the women marching for Trump. They're all out there discontent. At least they're expressing how they feel about politics. You know, I think it can do great service for marriage as long as the husband's not making his wife wrong for it, is that women need to vent these feelings. And if they don't, it all gets projected onto their partner. It's a very simple mechanism. When it's coming up, it doesn't say, hey, these are my unresolved feelings about what's going on at work. It doesn't come up as these are my unresolved feelings about my childhood. It comes up as these feelings are about my husband. And why does it get projected on your husband? Because that's the one you're having sex with. It's a biological connection and it just goes right there. And so this is so wonderful, the Venus talk, where women train themselves to share what they're feeling with their partner for a short period of time about complaints and criticisms and dissatisfaction and problems that they experience in their life, about their life, that have nothing directly to do with him. And then she communicates to him and says something along the lines, I just want to vent about my feelings today. It has nothing to do with you. You don't have to say anything. Don't do anything. Don't fix anything. Just look my direction. And while women go, oh, you know, won't he be offended by that? No, any man will go, oh, all I have to do is stand here and listen and not fix anything. And that's going to fix your problem, which is going to lower your stress. I'll do that. And then after like eight minutes, start talking about the things you're grateful for and that you appreciate about your job and you appreciate about your life because you'll feel it more strongly then. Then go in for the hug, nice little hug, thank him, appreciate him, and then go into another room for a while so he can just sort of sink into the awareness of what just happened. My wife was unhappy. She talked. And now she's happy and I get credit. I like this job. So this is a training for men as well as the training for women to learn how to complain about things that don't have to do with their husbands. And then, you know, I told this to one woman and she's our relationship expert. And she says, well, if I can't complain about him, what's there to talk about? <laughs> I just laughed. There's so much to talk about. And so the key to it is free your partner from those complaints. And then when you do have complaints about your partner, after you're happy, you'll find you'll have less complaints and you can more easily shift your complaints into requests and preferences. And just for your information only things. Oh, by the way, you know, when you're late, would you give me a call? I really appreciate it. Otherwise, I don't know when to put the salmon in the cook in the oven or whatever it is as a communication, not as a not as a sort of demanding emotional tone that's demanding he change for you to be happy. I can promise you this for all the women listening, when your happiness depends upon your partner changing, he will he will not change and your happiness will just get worse and wor unhappiness will just increase. And so, you know, I explain the formula, how to get more in your relationship. Simply put, it's more complicated to actually put in the practice is one, to discover all the ways that you consciously or unconsciously attempt to change your partner, either by being upset with them or by withholding love from them or by resenting them uh, or making demands on them. Uh, look at all the ways that you try to change your partner and stop recognizing that that doesn't work. You know, we have to become sensible grownups and realize don't do what doesn't work. We want it to work. This is what works. So first step, stop trying to change your partner. Second step, you only want to change your partner when you're not happy. Second step is to be happy. How do you find be happy? Now, you can't just listen to songs, which is don't worry, be happy. That's all sweet songs. You have to learn how to do it. That's a whole new art form. 
And that is by finding the right balance of hormones in your body, not having to take hormones, but to generate the right ones by an awareness of how to find that hormonal balance, which is what we've been talking about to lower the stress levels. Because when stress levels go down, you're a happy, loving person. That's who we are. You don't have to become happy. It's already there. You just have to find it. Stop covering it up like the clouds in front of the sun. Number three, let me just finish the four steps. Once you once you find your happiness, then step three is to give more to your partner. At those times when you want more, you give yourself more, then you have more to give to your partner. But to give to your partner, you have to study how men and women are different and give to them the needs, the, the kind of support that they need the most. And once you understand that, for example, when you say to a guy, wow, that's a great idea, boom, his testosterone levels go up. When you say to a woman, wow, what a great idea, her testosterone levels go up. Now that's not bad, it feels good to her, but it's not gonna help her estrogen levels go up. So you say to a woman, good idea, but you also say, tell me more, get her to talk more. That's gonna increase her estrogen. So learn how to give the support your partner needs the most. So once you're full within yourself from step two, step three is to give more to your partner. Isn't it a universal message that is through giving, giving is where it's at, it's better than receiving? It's actually much more fulfilling. Give your partner what you need and then step four, ask and you shall be given. It will come to you. But if somebody gives me something and then they need something from me, I'm much more willing to give it. I'm much more motivated to give it. It's there to give because I'm getting what I need. So this is the whole secret. Now, so many women kind of go, but I'm giving, 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 giving. And I go, yeah, you're not giving to yourself. That's the foundation before you can give to others. And when you give to others, you have to be careful. You have to be knowledgeable. You have to be discerning with wisdom what to give them as opposed to tell them how to be better, for example, or give them what they don't really care that much about. Find out what they need the most. And that has to do with what hormones need to be triggered in their body. So this gender intelligence is magnificent. Once people can grasp it and study it and apply it, we can create the lasting love that we all want, which is missing today in the world. And that's what's necessary, this new knowledge for relationship skills and our complex world, because the quality of relationships is going down, down, down at a time when we actually have the potential for it to go up, up, up and create a new kind of relationship of lasting love, attraction and romance. And it is possible, and I walk my talk, 31 years married, I know what I'm talking about. The romance is there, the attraction is there. All of that passion is still there because we apply and practice these insights. Yeah, great. To, there are a couple things that I want to talk about, and let's just talk about these quickly because I want to make sure we don't lose our opportunity to chat about nutrition and the importance of that. You touched on that earlier. But before we do, um, one thing, you you just brought up the importance of um, people finding time to tend to themselves. So whether that's cave time for the for um, the man to produce more testosterone, that's great. Um, and one thing that you talk about in your book and you mentioned earlier is the you time, we time, me time, and basically how 
a um, how a woman's needs to produce various hormones actually change over the course of her cycle, and how even a, a, a postmenopausal woman um, will have that same experience, but re- in relation to the moon and and her cycle. So I'm wondering, could you touch on that briefly, just because it's so fascinating, and I encourage everyone who's who wants the in-depth explanation, of course, to get John's new book, Beyond Mars and Venus, or to um, to check out John's site at marsvenus.com. Um, in the meantime, John, if you could just touch on that a little bit, it's so fascinating how the requirements shift over the course of a woman's cycle. Well, this is important for men to know as well. Absolutely. To know. It's very important. Never mentioned get a calendar and what to know. And now premenopausal, we'll talk about that first. And then there's a shift in it for after menopause. So in premenopausal, what's happening is a woman's hormones are changing every day of the month. So the different behaviors that would stimulate that proper hormone balance would be a little different. It's very flexible but they're general themes of you time, we time, and me time. So you time is your time when you're at work and you're there for others. We time is when you're feeling connected to somebody that you're interdependent with. And me time is when you're nurturing yourself. Those are your three basic areas. And it's my daughter, Lauren Gray, who's 31, and she's got her own message, her own online courses and everything. Uh, She developed this, and it was helping her with that and editing that with her that inspired me to write this book. Uh, And so that is one of the later chapters. It is the longest chapter in the book. So I appreciate you're asking for a brief summary of that. But it's much more complicated, takes a little study than what I'm about to say. But here's it in simple. After during her period from three to five days, everything's approximate three to five days. There's nothing a man can do to make a woman happy. So forget about it, men. It's all up to her. All you can do is make it worse. <laughs> you want to create a sense of safety and, 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 and non-interference with her during that time. And she's responsible for what she feels and what she doesn't. And if you're trying to argue with her and make her feel good if she's not feeling good, it's useless. Just don't react, create safety. So just to know, okay, there's nothing I can say that's going to make her happier or make her feel better now, but there's things I can do as long as they're not trying to make her feel worse, you know, to create comfort for her. All right, so that's at three to five days. Then for the next five days, you don't have to do much at all. She's going to suddenly, her estrogen levels are starting to rise along with, they're not yet too high, along with some testosterone. So she's sort of balanced in her androgynous self where she doesn't really need that much from you. So her mood is going to be more positive if you haven't sabotaged it already. She's going to feel like everything's good. And so you're getting the message that you're doing a good job. Now, during those five days, then suddenly something happens is her estrogen levels now suddenly rise much higher. They double. So when they double during that during the next five days, what happens when estrogen levels rise up is she feels her need for love. She feels her need for romance. It's also during those next five days that she ovulates. That's when she gets pregnant. So naturally, nature has set into her a hormonal shift that causes her to feel the need to be penetrated to make a baby. This is when women feel the need for masculinity more. This is when men appear much more attracted to them. This is when women can be much more appreciative and accepting and embracing and feminine because her estrogen levels have doubled. 
Now, if she doesn't get that romantic support, that's when she can be most unhappy with him. She's aware of suddenly all the things that she's not getting in the relationship. In a sense, she becomes needy uh, during those five days. Or if you're doing some of the simple things I recommend in my book to provide extra oxytocin support for her, which allows her estrogen levels to rise. Remember, oxytocin lowers testosterone, increases estrogen. When her estrogen levels can rise, that's when she's going to be so much more fulfilled. It's like she's getting the main meal of the month. And that keeps her satisfied to a great extent with the man in her life for the next 28 days. I mean, it's literally uh, that is getting that meal. It's like if you miss a meal, then you're kind of missed. You're hungry all day long because in the next 12 days after ovulation, her need is not for increasing estrogen. She has lower estrogen levels then, and she has higher progesterone levels. If she doesn't have stimulation for higher progesterone, then what happens is her estrogen levels will dominate. And that's a phenomenon in medical science we see is called estrogen dominance, which causes bad moods for women, dryness and all kinds of problems, breast tenderness, irritability, mood swings, and suicidal thoughts. So. At that time, she doesn't need more estrogen, but it's confusing to a woman because if during those five magic days where her estrogen levels are higher, she doesn't hit the bell, so to speak, then for the next 12 days, a part of her brain is trying to make it up, trying to get the estrogen when really during that time, she needs more me time and me time is the progesterone stimulating activities. So that's when she still needs a man if she's in a relationship, but not as much. And if she finds herself resenting what he's not giving, she needs to realize that's her own internal imbalance and she needs to shift gears from looking to more from him and give more to herself. And that is through two types of behaviors that stimulate progesterone. That's basically self-nurturing time or social time. And if she has a very testosterone producing job, then she's going to need more me time, which is self-nurturing time. If she has a more nurturing job, you know, more feminine job, then she's going to need more social activity that's not dependent on her partner, but more dependent on her friends on an equal level. So that's the cycle. And now when women are menopausal and beyond menopause, ironically, there's not a lot of research on this, but I dug for it and I found that during the full moon, women's estrogen levels dramatically increase. Uh, this is shown by another study that shows that melatonin levels drop by 30% and another study that shows that when melatonin levels drop, estrogen levels uh, will tend to spike. So women still have this cycle. It's not as pronounced after uh, menopause, but it's there. And it's the need to continue balancing the female stimulating activities with the, with the male side of her as well. Because ultimately, as we mature, the ideal situation would be a woman for the first half of her life learns to master the uh, female hormones in her body because naturally testosterone will increase as she gets older. And, but if her estrogen levels aren't strong, then she becomes testosterone dominant and has all kinds of uh, unhappiness and, and aging and so forth. The flip side of this for a man is that his younger years, he learns to achieve, accomplish, to develop confidence to keep his testosterone up so that as he gets older, estrogen levels will gradually rise, which gives him greater compassion and wisdom. Uh, myself, for example, at 65 years old, my estrogen levels are higher than when I was a young man, but my testosterone levels are actually higher as well. They haven't gone down. 
your average man in America, his testosterone levels have dropped by 50% when he gets to 50. And that's the problem with today's life. That's why nutrition and, and cleansing is very important because it's this toxic environment we live in that increases estrogen levels of binding the estrogen receptor sites that lowers testosterone in men. We have to have nutritional support as well as body, you know, certain types of act, uh, cleansing activities to kick the extra estrogens out of our body from the environmental toxicity. Yeah, could you touch on some specific things that we could do? Because, you know, I'm 43 and I, I want to make sure that when I'm 50, my testosterone is, is higher than it is well, now. If, if you were an average male, it would already start dropping at 35. And now it's dropping at all ages. You know, boys are going through puberty uh, two years later now on average because their testosterone levels are so low and their estrogen levels are so high. So this is affecting all generations. Uh, it's just awful. And so anyway, what you do is uh, estrogen is your body. If you're a male, will want to kick that out. Uh, the toxic estrogens, same for a woman, is you fast. One technique is to fast one day a week or two days a week or two days a month, uh, occasionally maybe three or four days a year uh, with um, lemon. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, fasting. There's bone soup. Uh, there's lemon and water. Uh, there's lemon and aloe vera and water. That's one of my favorites. Uh, and uh, I call it super cleanse. I actually, at my website, I've formulated a few products to help, but people can figure it out themselves too. Uh, that's the super cleanse. It's aloe vera and lemon, a little bit of glucose, uh, uh, probiotics, enzymes. These things all help the body to detoxify if you just miss three or four meals. It's amazing what that will do. Uh, that when during that rest where you're no longer digesting the food, your body has a chance to start eliminating food. Now those uh, that fasting is hard for most people, but easy if they also complement it with super minerals. And the second thing that I found is that's so helpful for health and for brain function is these super minerals. Now, what I mean super minerals, they're just minerals like calcium, magnesium, potassium, and zinc, uh, but also lithium which most people don't understand at all. But these minerals, when bonded to a substance in mother's milk, will cross the blood barrier of the brain, the substance is auratic acid. So potassium orotate, calcium orotate, magnesium orotate, lithium orotate, zinc orotate, these pass the blood-brain barrier and they will stimulate the brain chemicals that we need to keep our stress levels low as well. Uh, women will tend to get too dopamine-oriented. Matter of fact, everybody is. Uh, we get addicted. Anytime we're addicted to things uh, out of balance, dopamine levels go too high. And what we need to do is balance that with serotonin, dopamine, GABA. These are brain chemicals I talk about with different nutrients that can help balance that. But lithium, uh, besides all the other beneficial properties, which is brain regeneration, neural protection in the brain, uh, it also it, it helps to balance brain chemicals, brain chemical production. Beyond that, I also found some research showing that lithium stimulates oxytocin. <laughs> so, so this is like, why do we need to supplement with lithium? Only low-dose lithium. It's the high-dose lithium that doctors prescribe for schizophrenia, uh, and that's toxic because they give you 50 to 100 times the dose that you actually need, and we all need it, and we're depleting in it when we experience high sugar content or high, high stressful experiences. So if your life has stress, or you're eating lots of carbohydrates, uh, what will happen is you deplete yourself of lithium and it's so important to make that oxytocin. And I can give my wife hugs all day long. It's not going to make any oxytocin if she's deficient in lithium. 
So this is low dose lithium along with the cofactors. They all work together. I have a whole video on, that's a whole half an hour talk on how they all work together for making serotonin and dopamine in the brain. So you need to cleanse out the estrogens. You need to stimulate the right balance of brain chemicals in the brain. And the third thing is easy to digest proteins. Now, whenever you're stressed, one of the problems when you're stressed is your body doesn't make hydrochloric acid, which digests protein. So once you're stressed, it's very hard to digest fully the proteins that will turn into what's called peptides that will make the brain chemicals. So what I figured out, and this has been proven in Swiss scientists and Swiss laboratories, is that if you take unprocessed, unheated dairy proteins, that's whey protein and casein protein, most people can't even tolerate casein protein because it's, it's hard to digest but it's one of the most important things for brain function. That's why babies get it in mother's milk. It develops the brain. So what I figured out is you take unheat processed, it's called undenatured whey protein, undenatured casein protein. You mix it about 50-50. Uh, you could be more specific with more casein for men uh, and more whey for women. That's what mother's milk will do as well because uh, males need more casein, women need more, more whey uh, due to the muscle mass difference in our bodies. Uh, if you find that balance and you now add enzymes, you can buy enzymes or you can get the premix in my, in my website, which has got these undenatured whey protein organic and the mineral, the enzymes are in there, the minerals to activate it are there. And you, you put it, mix it with water and you let it sit for 30 minutes at room temperature, 45 minutes, a little better. And then you add ice and blend it up. It becomes a delicious, delicious shake. It tastes fantastic, but the wonderful thing about it is that it immediately dissolves into your brain. You can feel it go right into the brain if you're sensitive because you don't have to digest it. It's pre-digested for you. It's protein peptides. And, and, and so if you have, if you are stressed or you have compromised digestion, then what happens is that doesn't matter. You're drinking something which is already digested for you, which is protein peptides. And I discovered this because 15 years ago I had Parkinson's disease, which comes from the inability to digest your proteins so that you now become hyperstimulated, which downregulates dopamine receptor sites in the brain chronically, and then you no longer have those receptor sites. What I figured out is that if you, if you just get pre-digested proteins, you can restore normal brain function, and I cured my Parkinson's. ADHD symptoms went away. It was phenomenal. And what I did at that time was did IV drips of, pro, of pre-digested proteins called protein peptides, put into my veins, going to my brain. In nine days, I reversed my early stage symptoms. And that blew my mind. But then I thought, okay, I don't want to keep getting IV drips. So I figured out how to get how to make peptides in your kitchen, which nobody's ever done before. You won't read about this anywhere else. And it's magnificent. And I had the Swiss laboratories measure it. And they found that with regular protein powders or with steak or with chicken or with eggs, generally the body absorbs about 32% on average of the protein. And 80% of the energy in order to die from that protein goes to digesting that protein as well as eliminating the part of it that isn't assimilated. So when you pre-digest it with the enzymes, what happens, they measure, and you can measure this in the body, 92% of the protein is utilized by the brain and body, 92%. So, and, and doesn't take any energy away. So you have way more energy. You don't need to take as much. You can have less calories. And once again, we find that animals, when they give them a calorie restricted diet, they live so much longer and they're so much healthier. I mean, this is just so visible. 
you see it with monkeys, you know, but it, it's they, they just live much longer. They look vibrant. They're healthy instead of looking like these old, old monkeys after 28 years. So that research continues on, but you can have a low calorie diet. You can lose weight. You don't have to eat so much food if you have pre-digested food, because most of our food is supposed to be going to our brain, which gives us all this energy and clarity and focus. And so what we're doing is we're eating too much food. The body's trying to get more food. We're gaining weight. We're not feeling good. And what we need to do is go a bit low calorie, go organic. If you have to eat some non-organic, which I do, make sure you do your cleanses to kick out those pesticides in your body. And the last thing is, is the gut. Now, everybody's talking in health about gut health, the, the microbiome in the gut, because we've taken antibiotics and also these um, uh, the GMOs and so forth, they attack the positive bacteria in your gut. And without the positive bacteria in your gut, they can't help your brain to make the brain chemicals. So that's another thing that's missing. That's why we have so many kids with autism. One out of six women over 65 have dementia. Uh, twice as many women have Alzheimer's. Uh, this is all because after the menopause, they don't have the estrogen levels that are that will serve as neural protectors. Estrogen serves as a neural protector. It's gone. And so then they become more vulnerable. So these are all new challenges that we present. So what I do is I guide people to the very best probiotics. And when it comes to probiotics, generally speaking, more is better. Uh, and even if you make yogurt, I teach people how to make homemade yogurt with 32 different probiotics. It's a homemade job that you do at home. Uh, it's called Bravo yogurt. It comes from Switzerland. You get the ingredients, the starter, so you can make the yogurt at home. And it is rich in live probiotics. And they found that that even reverses autism in many children. So this is like amazing stuff that people need to become aware of to counteract the modern toxicity that we're all having to deal with. Wow. That was such a, a supercharged... Uh, amount of information. I'm really, I'm excited. I'm going to try out the the protein drink and see what that's like. If I, I would love to have as much energy as you do. Actually, I'm a pretty energetic guy, but I can tell that you're, you're fueled. And part of that, of course, is I'm sure being so connected with your mission and sounds like part of it might have to do with those uh, pre-digested proteins. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it, but let me not be mislead anybody. Uh, you're absolutely right. I'm following my mission and that gives me energy. But if I didn't have the right supplementation, then I wouldn't be able to follow my, my, my mission so enthusiastically. Actually, I could become depressed. Uh, what I found is I'm kind of like a Ferrari. Many people are today when you're following your mission, you get in a flow. And when you get in a flow, your brain is making brain chemicals way more than normal. And so you need that extra nutrition and support to fuel that. If you look at, you know, some of the highest intelligent people, graduates of Stanford and Harvard, what you'll see uh, is that they have the highest suicide rates. They have the highest uh, drug addiction rates. The, uh, you know, half the kids are all addicted to Ritalin and, and amphetamines and so forth. And that's shocking. But what you see is that for the brain to work at a higher level, you need extra fuel. And then when that fuel runs out, you, then you go the other direction. So, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of bipolar people. If you look at the history of geniuses, they usually have schizophrenia in them as well. And, and that's just a deficiency of lithium in the brain. Mood extremes is simply a deficiency of lithium and omega-3s in the brain. And I've had hundreds of people reverse those symptoms without drugs, without taking the macro doses of lithium carbonate, but instead taking micro doses of lithium orotate along with omega-3s and predigested proteins 
literally this whole crisis of ADHD, for example, can be corrected in weeks for many, many children. I have thousands of parents that tell me it turned around their children's ADD symptoms simply because the brain was getting what it needed. And the, you know, ADD symptoms are actually very confusing because they show up differently in different children. For some, they're hyperactive. For some, they're hyper-distracted. For some, they're hyper-impulsive. For some, they're hypersensitive. For some, they're hyper-resistant to change. They're compulsive. So it, it's that the hyperness is the imbalance in the brain because there's not enough lithium in the brain and the cofactors. Remember, there has to be cofactors for it as well. Uh, but the key factor there is the lithium deficiency that occurs when we're stressed. Yeah. Well, John, I want to just thank you for first being so generous with your time today. And of course, with all of this amazing information, um, I loved your new book, Beyond Mars and Venus. And I'll be honest, when I first read Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus back in the early 90s, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And <laughs> and at the same time, um, it's a book that I think fostered a revolution in terms of how we not only think about gender in relationship, but also how to think about it in a way that actually is helpful for um, for maintaining healthy, vibrant relationships. And I love the way that you revisit and update that work to make it current in your new book, Beyond Mars and Venus. For, um, for you listening, we're going to have a detailed show guide for today's episode. As always, you can get that by visiting Neil Satin dot com slash Mars Venus, all one word. Um, or you can always text the word passion to the number three, three, four, four, four and follow the instructions. And I will send you a link where you can download the show guide, which will also have links to uh, John Gray's website and his book and um, all the other stuff that we've been talking about today. So, John Gray, thank you again for coming on the show. It's such a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's been it's been my pleasure to be on this show, and I look forward to, to doing more with you because you have an amazing podcast, and we can do more shows on just straight communication skills. But right now, I'm just focusing on a piece of information that's so missing in the world today. Well, I, it would be great to have you on, and I know you have volumes and volumes of work. Um, so, it, yeah, if we can if we can have you back on to talk about some of the uh, more nuanced aspects, that would be awesome. Well, thank you so much, Neil. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.